Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord? Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your visitation in this place, oh God. We love you more than anything or anyone. There's no one like you. No one that can satisfy our souls like you, oh God. Oh, we lift you up today. Oh, what a beautiful presence of the Lord that is here. Psalm 16 and 11 said, In his presence there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And I'm just counted on honor to be in his house. And we just love all of you so very much. Give honor to Pastor and Sister Boyd in their absence. How many love your pastor? Thankful for their leadership. Just so thankful to see everybody in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night Bible study. One man said, if you come to Sunday school, you love your church. If you come to worship service, you love your pastor. But if you come to Wednesday night Bible study, you love God. <laughs> We're teasing because some just are unable to come. But we are grateful that you have taken time to be in his house. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to open and read from the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 7, and we're going to read down to verse number 9. We know there is much to pray about in this day, and so we are praying for those that are unable to come, those that are facing sickness and uh, concern over the events that are transpiring in our nation. But through all of that, we know God is in control. He's not caught off guard. He's not falling asleep. He doesn't zone out. But he knows what's going on every moment of every day. And that's something we can hold on to in the midst of adversity, that he is in control. I love my family so much. So happy they're with me tonight. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 7. And we're going to go down to verse number 9. And the scripture tells us this. It says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. I want to focus our attention here on that ninth verse. The apostle is writing. He says, I'm suffering trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Someone tried to do a little teaching. It could turn into treaching, 
and it could evolve into preaching before it's all over. I want to speak to us tonight on this subject, no restrictions, no restrictions. Can we lift our hands? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we are so honored to be in your presence. Lord, I pray a special blessing upon each and every one that has taken time to be in your house. Lord, would you open the windows of heaven? Would you open up the floodgates and pour out blessings that cannot even be contained? Let the word of God strengthen and encourage and minister to our souls. God, we give you all praise, give you all glory and all honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. What we're reading here, the words of the Apostle Paul. and He is writing to his son, Timothy, in the faith. So, through one perspective, it is an elder writing to a younger. It's one that has proven himself, proven his ministry. Now he is handing the baton to the one that's now coming on the scene. And history tells us that while Paul was penning these words, he did so from a jail cell. He had been in prison persecuted for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he is surrounded by thieves and murderers and criminals. And to make matters worse, history tells us that he was about to be martyred for the kingdom of heaven. And so knowing that he only had a few moments left, knowing he only had so many breaths in his body, I think he would have chosen his words very carefully. If I knew my life was getting ready to come to an end, and if my final chapter was about to be written, I would want those that I love and care for to be around, and I would want to tell them what I really feel in my heart. I just don't think we would talk about trivial things like the weather or uh, what's happening in the news or if they're going to play ball again. But I think I would really want to tell them what matters most to me. And so here, he starts it out in the first chapter in the seventh verse. and He tells him, now God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He says, Timothy, if you're going to be successful in living for God, you can't be afraid. You can't be embarrassed. You can't be ashamed to be called a Christian. But you've got to know it's God that walks with us. It's he, he that talks with us and tells us we are his own. And because in the day then, the same is true in the day now. I can hear this elder telling him, Timothy, you're going to live long enough to see governments rise and governments fall. You're going to live long enough. You're going to see celebrities shine bright and then fade away. You're going to see businesses open, and you're going to see those very same businesses close. But there is one thing that has stood the test of time, and that is the word of the Lord. The prophet said in Isaiah 40 and 8, 
the grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Psalm 119 and 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. That word, it can keep you when you can't keep yourself. Psalm 119 and 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I've watched even, I'm not that old. Y'all can say amen, not that old. Hey, come on, I feel it. I'm feeling good now. But I've already seen, and you have as well, people that get way off on the right. Then they get way off on the left. But if you just stick to the word, it'll keep you from being lopsided. Psalm 119 and 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word to keep you in the right direction. The word to keep you from tilting or tipping over from side to side. Psalm 119 and 165, one of my favorite verses in the scripture. It says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Uh, you can tell the people that have the word in their heart because they can go through trouble and still serve the Lord. They can go through sickness and still be in his house. They can go through uh, adversity and people can talk about them and uh, speak down to them and yet they're still lifting their hands and they're still kneeling in prayer and they're still worshiping God. There's something about the word, it does what nothing else can. Hebrews 4 and 12 says the word of God is quick, is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder the soul and spirit of the joints and marrow as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we read on in this first chapter. As the second chapter opens, we find him now addressing Timothy and tells him, you've got to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In other words, he said, it's not always going to be a bed of roses. It's not always going to be shouting and dancing on the mountaintop. Sometimes you have to lift your head and square your shoulders and say, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. Bad things are going to happen, and they will happen. When they do, you've got to know who you believe in and know where your faith lies. Seems like now more than ever in the day that we are living in, we got no other hope outside of Jesus Christ. When all of this passes away, Romans 8 and 18, he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Whatever trouble we have to endure, whatever adversity we have to face, whatever drama we have to just get through, once we step on the other side of glory and we walk down the street of gold, see the gate of pearl and the wall of Jasper, all of the troubles are not going to matter at all. Huh? They're just not going to hold any value to what we will have in that day. 
So here Paul is trying to reemphasize this. He's trying to enforce this into this young man's spirit. You can't let anything, you can't let anyone stop you from doing the work of the Lord. Romans 8.35, Paul said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 37, he said, Nay, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor height, nor depth, no virus, no sickness, no division, nothing is going to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So over and over we find him leading Timothy to this particular point. I think there's more of a value to this than what we may read at first glance. In verse number 7, Paul starts by saying, Consider what I'm getting ready to say. Then in verse number 8, he says, You better remember what I'm getting ready to say. My mom always said, I'll tell you once, but don't make me tell you twice. Huh? He said, now consider what I say. Then he puts a double, double emphasis. He says, now you better remember what I'm getting ready to say. He said, now I'm suffering trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. I'm in jail. I know that my days are numbered, and I'm being treated like I'm hurting people when in reality I'm helping people. Sounds like the world that you and I are in right now. The prophet said there's going to come a day they're going to call evil good, and they're going to call good evil. Paul said, now I've got a reason to be upset. I could be bitter. I could be angry. I could be mad. I could be beside myself because of what they've done to me. They've shackled my chains on my hands, and now they've got them on my feet, and I'm laying on a concrete floor. He said, but Timothy, don't ever forget that even if they tie me down, and even if they take my life, there is one thing the world, the enemy, the adversary can never do. They cannot bind up the Word of God. Word, once it's spoken, it can never be taken back. The prophet said in Isaiah 55, he said, His word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which it was sent to do. The word will prosper in the way that it was sent. And so here in this ninth verse, he says, The word is not bound. But when you turn over to John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. Then in verse 14, it says, And that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so when he says the Word is not bound, what he's really saying is Jesus is not bound. Jesus isn't confined by time. He's not restricted by location. He's not limited in his capability. He can be at any place, at any moment, at any time. And I have to wonder, Paul was pinning these words if he just stopped for a moment. 
put his pen down and began to look back over his life. Undoubtedly, he had to be a little nostalgic, thinking about what had happened in his ministry. Looking back on that time that he thought he knew God, but really he didn't. Time when he was persecuting Jesus and trying to wreak havoc in the church. But in Acts chapter 9, it says he was walking down a Damascus road. And while he was walking down this road, a light began to shine. And when this light shined, it says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard to kick against the pricks. And here, in just one moment, this man who was a believer in God, he believed there was one that spoke the world into existence. He believed there was one that walked in the fire with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. He knew there was one that spoke to Moses out of a burning bush and said, I am that I am. He knew it was God that rescued Daniel in the lion's den and shut the mouth of those beasts. He knew he was the one of the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But in this moment, Saul in uncertainty and fearfulness, he just cries out and says, Who are you, Lord? And the voice came back and said, I am Jesus. I don't know, there was probably a light bulb that went off in his head. Here was a man that by birth he was a Hebrew. By citizenship he was a Roman. By profession he was a Pharisee. But by conversion he became a Christian. And in that Damascus road something happened to him. Something changed in his heart. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't leave us in darkness he doesn't abandon us to our own devices, but He will come to our aid. He will help us and guide us and assist us, even when we go in the wrong direction. Sometimes we don't even know we're going in the wrong direction. But So many times throughout the Word of the Lord, we see the Word coming to people. They don't really know how to handle it. In the book of Jonah, says the word of the Lord came to Jonah and directed him to go and preach in Nineveh. So Jonah decided, no, he, he picked the wrong person. You selected the wrong servant. You chose the wrong candidate. I can't go to Nineveh. Gets on a boat, gets out on the water. Would you believe that he ends up getting thrown off the boat? And then to make matters worse, what happens? He gets swallowed by a whale. But what I find so interesting is what the Scripture says in Jonah chapter 2 and verse number 10. It says that the Lord spoke to the fish. Sometimes when we're not listening, He's just going to have to speak to our circumstances. That's how powerful the word is. Even when we as humans don't listen, he'll start speaking to animals. You don't want to listen, I'll start speaking to your environment. And when the Lord spoke to that fish, that almost sounds kind of funny. The Lord spoke to the fish. But the fish starts swimming, and guess where it's swimming to? It swims to Nineveh and puts him out on the coast. The very next verse 
Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. That word has a way of searching us. That word has a way of just coming to where we are at. Even when we wonder, even when we fail, even when we get discouraged, even when we get confused. And if there was ever a time confusion is prevailing, it's right now. There's a confusion and wonder what's going to happen, what's going to take place, what's going to transpire. Let's let the word of the Lord do what it does best. That word came to Jonah, and there was a boldness that came on him, an authority that he was filled with. That's how the word of God can help us. When the songs have all been sung, the Word can still become active, and it can motivate us and minister to us. That Word can encourage us and empower us and enlighten us and endow us. Something about that Word of God, it just operates with no restrictions. And really to think, that while he's pinning these words, he says, now God's about to speak. God's about to speak. And I remember when Sister Ashley and I got engaged, uh, we were getting the wedding together. And her father was a pastor in Dayton, Ohio. And so he asked me if I had any of my groomsmen that were preachers that might like to stay over on Sunday and preach at their church. So I said, yeah, there's someone I know that would probably love to come. He said, all right, well, you just tell him that when they come for the wedding on Saturday, just stay over and he'll preach at the church on Sunday. So, okay, so we made all the arrangements. And little did we know that God started speaking to my father-in-law and said that he needed to preach on that Sunday. So he started talking to his wife and Ashley's mother and said, you know, I'm kind of in a scenario now because I've already invited somebody. But God's given me a message to preach and told me when I'm supposed to preach it. He said, that's very out of the ordinary. that God would tell me specifically when I'm supposed to preach it and when I'm supposed to proclaim it. So he said, I was just kind of uh, just praying on it. Well, that's about the time the was it Hurricane Sandy that came through. Y'all remember that? And just kind of messed everything up. So my groomsman called me the night before the rehearsal and said, I'm sorry, but our flight's been canceled and there's no cars to rent and I'm just not going to be able to make it. So when we tell her parents that one of my groomsmen couldn't make it, he said, yes. I started jumping up and down. I thought, man, what's going on here? And that's when he told me. So, well, I was kind of in a uh, circumstance because I didn't know what to do. So we really didn't pay it a whole lot of attention. Friday night, I had the rehearsal. Everybody's having fun, having a good time. That night, early in the morning, uh, her father has an aneurysm. Rushed to the hospital and passes away the morning of our wedding. 56 years old. And everybody's shocked and surprised. You talk about an emotional day. That was an emotional day. Trying to figure out what to do. The 
church was already prepared. Everybody was there from out of town. And finally, after talking to the family, said, well, I think we should just go on with the wedding. So Ashley's uncle, Victor, said, well, I'll, I'll marry you and we'll make sure everything's fine. So we had the wedding. And uh, if anything crazy is going to happen, it's going to happen to us. And so at the wedding, we start having a Holy Ghost service. The backsliders start praying through to the Holy Ghost. So we think, okay, it was time for the reception. Mm-mm, tongues interpretation at the reception. People still praying through. And so uh, we're supposed to be on our honeymoon now on Sunday, but because of the passing, everything had to be delayed. And so we said, well, we need to go to the church. They're having a memorial service. So we went, and of course there were dignitaries there and family members and loved ones uh, wanting to pay their respect, and, and I'm sitting on the pew and, and uh, just kind of listening and uh, enjoying the service, and finally the service was nearing the end, and Ashley's mother got up to speak, and, and she began to tell everybody about what had taken place a few days before, how God had spoken to Pastor Smith about preaching and said that God gave him a message for this Sunday. And she said, when I was getting up this morning for church, I just sat at the end of my bed and I was praying. And I said, now God, why would you tell him that he was supposed to preach on Sunday and then he would leave us on Saturday? You know, some things in life just don't make a lot of sense. She said, I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord for direction and clarity. She said, I knew I had to go to church. It was about time for the service to start. So she said his Bible was on the end table. She said, I picked it up and picked up my purse. When I picked up his Bible, some notes fell out on the floor. So she said, I picked it up and it was a sermon outlined for that Sunday. She said, I unfolded his notes, and at the very top was his text, and it was 1 Corinthians 15 that says, O death, where is thy sting? And O grave, where is thy victory? His subtext right underneath it said, Isaiah 25 and 8, He will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God will wipe tears from off all faces. And there was something about that. We wept and we cried and we were all saddened because God had taken him. But even though God took him, that did not uh, take away from the word that the Lord had given. And this word of God is so powerful that even if we live or if we die, the word still is anointed. It was the apostle said for me to live as Christ, but to die is gain. So if we live, we win. If we die, we win. Somebody ought to say, we can't lose. Oh, hallelujah. We can't lose. We can't lose. With Jesus on our side, we just can't lose. And Paul says, I know my time is up, but I have fought a good fight, and I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is later for me a crown of righteousness, which I feel the anointing right now, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto me at that day, but not to me only, but unto all those, but to all those who love his appearance. 
We have a promise, church. We have a joy in Christ that he is not going to leave us. And when I think about my father-in-law, we still cry tears even just the other day. But you know he's in a place. He's in a land where joy shall never end. He's in that place that I'm looking to one day. He's he's in that city where the Lamb is the light. And I don't know about you, the darker the world gets, the brighter heaven seems to be. And I'm looking forward to that day where there's going to be a city that never comes a night. I'm looking forward to that day where there's no sadness, no sorrow, and no more tears. There's coming a day we really will step on the other side of Jordan and there's going to be no more cancer and no more chemotherapy. There's going to be no more funerals and no more hospitals and no more cemeteries. There's going to be no more war and no more terrorism and no more division going to be a place where there's no sadness and no sorrow and no tears and no weeping and no crying. And we have the hope. Because the word already said it. So here Paul is summing up his epistle to Timothy. He sums it up by saying, Timothy, you better hold on like a bulldog. You better not give up. You better not throw in the white towel. You better not wave the surrenderance. You better stand up. You better believe and know who it is that called you and anointed you and commissioned you. Saints of God, brothers and sisters, it's the Lord that called us. It's the Lord that keeps us. It's the Lord that sealed us. And it's the Lord that's going to take us all the way home when we see him again. Oh, hallelujah. The music's getting ready to come. The book of Philippians says, He that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. No matter what we have to deal with, what we have to face, Philippians 4 and 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Can I encourage you tonight? You have the power to do it. You can do it in Christ. We can't do it in ourselves, in our humanity, in our abilities, in our talent, but all in Christ. There's nothing too difficult for him. There's nothing too hard, nothing too complicated, nothing too difficult that God cannot do for us. No matter what you are facing, no matter how dark the night seems to be, no matter how uncertain the future looks, it's God that walks with us. It's God that paves the way and he shows us how to live by his word that he spoke to us. Can we lift our hands to heaven one more time? Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Can you lift your voice with me just for a moment? Oh, we bless you today, Lord. You're great. You're greatly to be praised. Ah, great is the Lord and of great power. Your understanding is infinite. Oh, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You know the number of stars. You know the number of hairs that are on our head. You see the sparrow when it falls, and you see our needs. You see us where we are. 
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.